back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn in for John Canzano. Friday, Bald Face Truth. Canzano will be back Monday. You know, when I'm in the chair, I always got to talk a little Seahawks. Preseason continues tomorrow night. Today's Friday, right? Yeah, today's Friday. Uh, I get all these, you know, dates confused in my head because preseason games are happening like it feels like the COVID year. They're almost like every day of the week at this point. Uh, not really. But I'm watching uh, Panthers Giants in preseason right now with Bryce Young getting some run and starters playing a little bit. Let's see what's going on with the Seahawks. Let's go out to uh, the Seattle Times. Bob Condota joining us on the line. Bob, it's great to talk to you. How are you? Good, yeah. Hey, how you doing? Good. By the way, I know you covered Husky football for a long time, so let me actually start there. What do you make of everything swirling around the Pac-12 and, of course, with UW joining Oregon and going to the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, since I don't really cover that, I don't have a lot of great – I don't have a lot of insight into what happened, but uh, for sure, I mean, I basically made about 30 years of my career covering that conference, and um, it's certainly sort of sad to to just see it dissolve and not you know to think that there's not going to be an apple cup and you know on Thanksgiving. I mean I can't imagine there you know that there's any way that's going to be that's going to be continued, um, especially that time of the year anyway. I mean for you know I know in my own self for basically 20 years my my life calendar was sort of work in the fall and and you know I put up the Christmas lights the day the day after the apple cup. That was sort of <laughs> sort of our family tradition was it was like well okay that's the end of. Uh, that's the end of that, but that part of the year, and now we are under the holiday season kind of thing. And I think a lot of people are like that. And, and so all those kind of traditions and rhythms of college athletics and, and what all those trips and games and things like that mean to people are really going to be disrupted. And so it's, it's going to be a, a whole new world. And, you know, and maybe there's a way that, that 10 or 15 years from now there, there could be some traditions that have been reestablished or, or new, ones, uh, new ones sort of gained that people enjoy and all of that. But I think for an awful lot of people who – sort of grew up with, uh, you know, a lot of the glory years of this conference in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, and through, through to the current day. Um, uh, to me, it's just, it, it's sort of sad, uh, just just the way that it's come to this. Yeah, you just hit me in the, in the heart there because Civil War down here, that was either the the morning of the Civil War or the day after the Civil War, we'd go out and get the Christmas tree and, you know, usher in the Christmas seat. Like, that's what we did, uh, very similar to how I'm sure people scheduled around the apple cup and ushered in the holiday season and all that you're right bob it's gonna it's a whole new world and it is kind of sad kind of on that note you know what i know pete carroll he shares his mind about the state of you know college athletics today what is what are some of the things that pete says about where the college game is headed or, or where it is yeah, I actually asked him about that a couple of weeks ago, I guess, you know, the kind of a couple of days after that all happened when we had a chance to talk to him. And, um, you know, he just said uh, he used the word disappointed and, and just said he, he was disappointed in college, college athletics and that he just felt that a lot of things are being lost that made it great. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny because Pete really doesn't have that long of an association with college college athletics and with college football you know he's so obviously well known for his USC years but other than that you know he was mostly in the NFL and so 
um, you know, he does have that sort of 10-year association with USC and a couple other years as assistants at a couple other places. But, uh, um, I, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a one, you know, the, for a few years there was always that talk of, oh, would Pete go back to college or, or, or things like that. And I, I don't think he's ever considered it. You know, I, I think he's I think he likes that the NFL um, is sort of maybe a little more understandable right now than college athletics is. You know, you sort of know what you got. you got a salary cap and everybody's on the same level playing field and, you know, everybody's working with the same amount of money and the same way that the draft works and stuff like that, you know. Um, and it's, it, there's sort of that real, that real sort of battle there. And I think Pete sort of likes that, but that was the word he used a couple of different times was just sort of being disappointed in college athletics or just feeling like a lot of things that, um, you know, made it great or being lost. Bob Condota, Seattle times covers the Seahawks, uh, preseason continues against the Cowboys tomorrow. What do we know about, uh, if the starters will play and if so, for how long? I, we don't know any of that specifically. Uh, you know, Pete, somewhat oddly to me, is incredibly close to the vest on that. You know, I, like Andy Reid just flat, flat blurts out how long the starters are going to play. And <laughs> obviously, there's no discompetitive. You know, if there's a competitive disadvantage there, it hasn't hurt the Kansas City Chiefs the last few years um, to, to reveal that information. But Pete just doesn't do that. So, um, you know, there's sort of some guesswork. If, if they were to play some, this would be the game they would. Uh, you know, they spent this week doing – um, treating it like a normal game week to go through that routine of, of understanding how a normal game week works. And so they did do the whole thing of sort of preparing, um, you know, um, against the scout team and stuff like that, like throwing up some Cowboys plays and preparing against the scout team. Um, you know, how much of that was to try to get some starters to play this week and how much of that was just simply to go through the process and teaching all the young guys this is how this is how we do things. Um, last year, I, I actually went back and looked, and last year game two was when they did play some of the starters a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, it was the one time DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett played played they only played one series but they did play um and uh, you know a few other guys did play a little bit more in that game but you know I, uh body preservation is really the main thing they're concerned about right now you know they don't need to see Geno smith play i mean they see him play every day out there on the practice field anyway they don't need to you know tyler lockett at this stage of his career really doesn't need to do that so um you know they i think there's a few starters who they will want to see play you know like the quarterbacks who played last week i think maybe they'll want to see those guys play again to further um, uh, you know, to give them a little bit more information about where the battles are at those spots. Uh, you know, some of the offensive linemen, again, we saw two of the starting offensive linemen play quite a bit last week. The other three did not. Um, I don't know if they would want to throw the whole line out there for a series or two just to see how it works playing together, um, you know, that sort of thing. But, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't count on seeing them for long, even if you see them out there. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that it will be long enough to, to, to judge much of anything on, but certainly it would make it a little more fun, I guess, if you saw those guys out there for a little bit. Bob, I tell you what, my expectations and anticipation for Jackson Smith and Jigba couldn't be any higher as a Seahawks fan. I think he's going to be plug-and-play impact player. You've been up close. You've been you know, uh, following training camp, and I know he played a little bit with in Minnesota. What do you, what do you see out of JSN, and just you know, what, what are the expectations for him in that offense? Yeah, I mean, he's been really good. He finally uh, he finally dropped a pass this week in a team. Oh, no, no, saw, but that was the first time. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time we'd seen that happen. Uh, you know, he looks really smooth and assured and confident out there. Uh, you know, he, he's the perfect slot receiver for them right now. I mean, that's where, you know, he'll probably line up there 80% of the time, um, allowing DK and, and Tyler to be on the outside and, and sort of have a real sort of steady set three receiver rotation. As, as you know, following this team closely, they've been trying for quite a while to find a third receiver mm -hmm. and sort of have a set three-man rotation. You know, last year 
Marquise Goodwin, you know, they dropped the D'Eskridge to try to do that. That, that you know, that hasn't worked out. Um, you know, there's been all kinds of guys they've thrown into that, um, you know, uh, for really for, for about a decade. <laughs> they really haven't had, had anybody consistently there. And, um, you know, that was part of why they did that was to, was to try to get that and, and, you know, really have a, have a three-man rotation there that they really feel like, you know, all three guys are sort of equals. And if you want to try to double somebody, you know, the last two years they sort of had, if you want to try to double Tyler, then DK, we'll throw to DK all the time and then vice versa. And that's why you see, you know, everybody always asks, why does Tyler catch 200 yards one game and 35 the next? And it's, and it's a lot of times it's because the team sort of tries to take one guy out and leave the other guy in man coverage, so they throw to the guy in man coverage. Mm -hmm. But if you got three guys that way, that makes it that much harder. And so that's what they're trying to create is that all three of those guys, um, you know, are, are guys that you might want to double cover, but you can't double cover all three of them. And so, um, you know, I think he's going to, you know, he's a rookie, so there might be some of those inevitable growing pains and whatever. Everybody sort of has those a little bit uh, as they work their way into the NFL. But I think everybody will be really surprised if he's not a significant contributor to this team this year. Year two of this defensive scheme change. Secondary on paper is really, you know, gets me excited. Now I'm biased, but what do you make of the shape and the evolution of this defense now with uh, Clint Hurt in year two? Yeah, and um, you know, and I think I, I think they're going back a little bit to some of what they did before. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of a, a little bit going to be a little bit more mixing. You know, some three four, so four three. We see quite a bit of quite a bit of both. I don't know if we just see tomorrow. Um, you know, you know, it, it, the game last week, all they did was line up in a base defense and play that the whole game. So, uh, you know, there were a lot of things we see in practice they didn't show against Minnesota, and I doubt they're going to show it in any of these preseason games. But, um, you know, come the, come the September 10th against the Rams, I think there's a lot of varied looks they want to show it up. You know, the biggest thing they they want to be is just to be really multiple, and that's what they're doing with the secondary, with trying a lot of guys in some, some different spots. And, you know, having, uh, you know, signing Julian Love and hoping Jamal Adams comes back and, and being able to play three safeties uh, together quite a bit where you can match up against what offenses want to do instead of just lining up with 11 guys and, and you know, letting the offense sort of dictate the matchups go the other way and dictate that a little bit. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out once everybody's sort of healthy. Uh, you know, the big question mark is just the interior defensive line. Um, you know, I, I think they're pretty happy with their ends, Draymond Jones and Mario Edwards. Uh, and, you know, they seem to really like the idea of Jaron Reed at nose tackle. I know some other people <laughs> looking from the outside maybe question that a little bit, but, you know, we'll see how that works. I, I, I think, uh, you know, they did draft Cameron Young. They think Brian Monet will be back eventually, and that's if there's one spot on the team, you can expect them to really kind of scour the waiver wires or just see if somebody's available in a trade. As things come uh, things come around, you know, it's the nose tackle spot. I, I, think, in, I think they feel like, in their system, that's not a spot that a guy needs long to adjust to. You know, you're basically, you're basically just you would just be asking a guy to play on first or second down and, and you know take the center out of the play kind of thing. And so, yeah. I think they feel like they could. You know, that's not something they need to teach a guy a, a lot of the playbook to be able to do. So, it, so it won't surprise me if that's a spot where they make an addition at some point. Bob, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot.